Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. to another exciting episode of Thriller Bitcoin. Let's go! Today I'm here with uh, Super Testnet. Howdy, Carr. How are you doing today? Hey, how are you doing? Dude, it's the best day ever. Really? Dude, yeah. Why? Well, because I got all my memories from the previous days, which are almost all good, plus new ones that I got made today. So they just keep on piling on good memories every day. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. It's also oh. the worst day for the same reason... <laughs> It's backwards. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted no, to kidding. do. I wanted to do this um, podcast because I haven't seen you in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a bit. Yeah, my dad died two weeks ago, and so I went to the funeral, uh, and then I hung out with my family for a while and uh, helped out as much as I could there, and uh, now I'm back. Yeah, I was praying for you the whole time, super. I appreciate that. Uh, it helped a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us were like, first we were in shock and then we're in, um, I know I felt a little bit in shock and then, um, well, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't that long ago, maybe a month and a half that I had, I, had, I went to visit my parents to help take care of my dad. Cause he was, he seemed to be in the, in the throes of like, it could be his last couple of weeks. And, uh, I remember telling you guys, he, he might not make it very long after that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes these things happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like my cousin passed away in 2020. Um, like we were, we were all sad. Like he, 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 he died tragically in a car accident and, um, mm-hmm. um, and, and like that changed a lot for everybody. Uh, at least my family here in Austin. And, um, I remember thinking at the time, like I, I was, I was mourning for like two weeks. It was tough. Yeah. He was like my brother. And, um, and, uh, I remember like after, after that two weeks I came out of it and I, I literally felt like I didn't have any time to waste. Like life was too short to, for me to continue on doing these, like working my fiat job and stuff. And 
mm-hmm. that was like one of the things that really got me going down in 2020, like just to go do my own thing. Cool. Yeah. Sometimes these things have a silver lining. Yeah. Is that what that is? I don't know. I've never. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Dark I guess cloud silver... has a silver lining usually means that something good comes after the bad. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to talk about it too much, but they just wanted to, you know, bring it up and mm-hmm. let you know that, um, yeah, we're here for you. We were always here for you. You know that. Thank um, you. I, it was funny because I left the door open for you like the last week. Cause I didn't, cause I guess you hadn't responded in a while. So like, I think it was like the last four days. Mm-hmm. The second week I was like, well, maybe he'll come back and I'll leave the door unlocked. I'll leave the top unlocked so he can come in. Oh, that's but, sweet um, car. Car was kind enough to give me a key to his house, but his house has double locks. And so my key do- only unlocks one of them. And if he doesn't <laughs> want me there, he can just lock the other. That's lock. not true. You've always, have I, have I never not answered the door? No. No. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you wake me up. I did wake you up once, yeah. but the, yeah, that was, uh, there had been a couple of times where the top lock was locked. That's what, that's what I mean. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I had left it open and then, um, lamp was there. Lamp still around? Lamp's oh, not doing too well. He's he's like burned on one side. I think I remember when I put him outside. I think I left yeah. him outside for too long. He's kind of burnt on one end. Lamp still growing. By the way, for those who aren't aware, Lamp is Car's plant, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he named him Lamp, which I think is a great name for a. Well, actually, AK named him Lamp. I just continued with the the, with the name. Yeah. I talk to him all the time. He's he's actually a really cool plant. Okay. Um, he's great. I saw him this morning. He just like, he's a little burned on one side. So I just been putting him, I put him back inside. Poor little, poor little plant. Poor little lamp. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah. So I kind of want to ask you, like, I actually have some questions this time. Sweet. But it's, 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 uh, I think it's, I think it's kind of cool. When, when you built the name super test net, like, I feel like it's become like this thing, right? Um, uh, I don't. Uh, well, let me, let me ask the question first. Okay. I feel like it's become this thing, right? And you've, you've killed Super Testnet multiple times at this point. Like, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a thing. Um, did you, when you first built it, did you know, like, all this stuff, like, that you were going to do it this way? Or is just kind of like, because I always wonder, like, you hear, like, Rockstar Dev is going to kill his NIM and stuff like that. Like in October, whenever he's going to do it, August, I forget which one it is. Um, is this a re- is this a reoccurring thing inside the Bitcoin developer space where like people will retire their NIMS? I don't know. I know that one of the things I tried to do before I made that name was I tried to make different names for each social media platform I used. Oh. But I when I made the Super Testnet one, I liked it, and I added a I added a GitHub for it, and then I added a. Um, what was another, I, I did like a discord was the same one and a, and a couple of other ones and it got that name got very popular. And I was like, well, I don't want it to be a very popular NIM. So I killed it on some of the platforms where it was popular. I killed it on Twitter and I killed it on telegram. Uh, I still use it on discord and I still use it on GitHub. Oh, do you really? Yeah. So wait, I thought you made a new GitHub. I did make a new GitHub under a new NIM, and I've released um, I've I've released some stuff under that under that new NIM as well. But no one knows who it is. I I suppose there are probably a few who do. 
Oh, really? Probably. That's cool. Uh, do you think that's a real, is that, is that a normal thing in Bitcoin? Like to do that? I don't know. I feel like. I suspect there's um, probably at least six Bitcoiners who do it. So. Did you hear about the news of, uh, was it Peter? He's a Bitcoin core developer. Peter Wheel. Yeah. Um, he stepped down. Um, yeah, he got, he, he was one of the people who was able to push code changes into Bitcoin core, um, or into its GitHub page anyway. And, uh, he can no longer do that. He gave up his, um, rights or whatever that, I mean, that's not like civil rights, but the GitHub rights, he gave up GitHub access, uh, to do that. And then they gave it to someone else. Gloria Zhao is a Bitcoin developer. I don't know much about her, but she got, she got added in his place. She got his key. Oh, so. so there's only a certain amount of keys that that's how that works or how does that? I think, uh, I think that GitHub has these things that I think are called administrators and you can have, uh, as I think a project can have as many administrators as you want. Uh, administrators can add other administrators. Each, each administrator has to have a GitHub account. And then the, the key quote unquote, all it means is that if they log into their account, they can push changes into this GitHub page, oh, wow. into this GitHub code base. So uh, yeah. so they got they removed um, Peter from the list of administrators and added Gloria to the list of administrators. So now if she goes to Bitcoin or GitHub.com slash Bitcoin, she can make changes. Wow. Um, whereas for most people, you can't make changes directly. You can propose changes. And then one of the six or I think it's six people who is admin, admin, an administrator can uh, approve your changes or add them in. How do they? I don't, I don't know if you know about this. Like, how do they pick those people or how does that even... Like how does, how does one actually step down from that? Cause I know there's a, like a history of it. Like, yeah. How does that actually like work like in the real world, I guess. I don't know how it actually works. If in my imagination, I would, I would guess it would work. A simple way to do it would be to have the contact information of the other um, admins. And then if you want to get removed, do you say, I, I don't, I don't want to be part of it anymore. And any admin can remove any other. Oh, okay. uh, so I just, one of them goes in and removes you. I don't think you can remove yourself. Maybe you can, but so if you can remove yourself, you could have done that. It could have just clicked, uh, remove me from this list of administrators. Uh, and then one of the other admins has to add uh, a oh. new replacement person. So they could have talked amongst themselves and be like, who do we want to add as, a, as someone who can put, make changes to this GitHub page without approval. And uh, they picked Gloria. So oh, wow. that's who it is. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. When I saw the news, I was like, news big at the time we were covering our RHR and it was like breaking news, but like it was, um, I still didn't know exactly like what it meant as far mm -hmm. as like what you just said, but it's a good explanation of it. Yeah. I also remember that Bitcoin core is just one. Um, it's the most popular, um, but it is still just one implementation of a Bitcoin node. Uh, and I don't recommend that people um, uh, immediately download the latest version whenever there is an update um, because that gives developers the ability if uh, any of those six, if they, po if they propose or add in a malicious change uh, and you just download immediately the latest version of, Git of Bitcoin on Bitcoin Core's um, GitHub page, you'd get, you'd get the malicious upgrade. So there's a certain amount of trust that uh, if, if, if you choose to download the latest version, you're putting a certain amount of trust in the latest set of developers. And I think that's not great. 
So uh, wait, don't download the latest version or, con or consider using an alternative implementation uh, other than Bitcoin Core that helps reduce the amount of trust placed in the six or so people who have commit access. Yeah, that's kind of cool. The admins of that. That's particular, good. That's good. Yeah. Sol solid advice. Mm -hmm. I remember one time you told me a long time ago. Uh, I don't know if you still believe in this theory, but you had, you had a theory of like who Satoshi was. Um, sure. You want to talk about that? I, yeah. I just want you to, I just want you to, I don't know. I remember, I know how you always like, you will have this thing and then you'll be like, I don't think that anymore. And then you have this new thing that replaced it. Mm -hmm. Do you have a new thing that replaced the old, the old one or is it still the same thing? Still the same thing, but to, to as a reminder, I don't think that the theory is correct. I never did. I think yeah. I think it is um, probably maybe a thirty percent likelihood of being correct. But it is of all the possibilities of who Satoshi is that are exist in my mind, none of them do I think are like greater than a fifty percent chance. You know, do you want to explain it to, yeah. to everybody listening? Yeah, it's, it's a really so good theory. I think the the theory it's it's a well known one is that Satoshi was uh, a a group of two people. Uh, Hal Finney and Nick Zabo, uh, and they worked together to create uh, Bitcoin Core or to, to create Bitcoin, and then release it under that pseudonym of uh, of Satoshi Nakamoto. Now, again, I don't think this is theory is correct. It's just of, of the theories I have had and have heard of, this one has more likelihood in my mind than the others, but it still doesn't breach fifty percent. I think it's only like thirty percent likely. Um, so, with some some support for this theory comes from uh, well, initially. They were two of the people who were on the cryptography mailing list. I don't think there were that many. I think there was around like 40 people who were part of that. Uh, I, I don't know why I have that impression that it was so small. Um, but at some point I got the impression it wasn't a big group and whoever it was was probably on that mailing list. Right. Yeah. Because sure. that's where they released it. Right. right. They had to be following it in some uh, capacity. So if you narrow it down to those 40 and then you say, okay, two of the guys in there were Hal and, and Xabo. That's, that's the first thing. Uh, secondly, um, uh, Hal and Nick had both proposed um, digital digital currencies before. B Nick had proposed BitGold, and Hal had proposed uh, reusable proof of work, I think. Really? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, and so they had both, tr they were both some of the people who were working, like w within the set of people who were in the cryptography mailing list. They were also among the set of people who were working on digital, on, on like precursors to Bitcoin. Uh, so that's another thing that goes in favor of, of it being them. Uh, Nick's BitGold is incredibly similar to Bitcoin. Uh, similar enough that um, it could, to me, it could have been that like he, he made this, he, he never wrote any code for, uh, for or he, at least he never released any code for BitGold. But it is possible that he started working on it. And then like when you're making, when you write a proposal for how to do something and you start actually implementing it, you, you tweak it, you tweak your, your thing. And so the, the differences between BitGold and Bitcoin are small enough that I think they could have been tweaks, like small improvements that he made while implementing it, that he realized, oh, this would be a simpler way to do this. Or this would be a better way. Yeah. And so like the, the difference between Bitcoin and BitGold could simply be that this is the implementation of BitGold. And he, he found a couple of tweaks to improve it during the implementation. Uh, so that, that like the very, the strong similarity of those two seems to me like that could play a factor in uh, Nick being Satoshi. Um, also, um, some of the language carries over. Like, so the, when he proposed BitGold, this was, um, 
uh, he, he called it gold because he thought it would be, you could, you could get a natural price, uh, a real world price for a currency if it was scarce. And that's why he called it bit gold is he was going to make one that didn't have, uh, that had a, a, a capped, um, supply like gold does. And, uh, in the Bitcoin white paper, when he, re- when that got released, it never mentions the supply cap, but what it does mention is mining. It says like, uh, Bitcoins can be issued through a process called mining. And I think that's a carryover yeah, from Bitgold. I think that is a carryover from Bitgold where it was explicitly supposed to be like gold and you had to mine it with proof of work. Uh, and that same language got carried over into Bitcoin because it's actually the same thing. Uh, or if this theory is true. Yeah. Uh, Satoshi also said um, in one of his blog posts or uh, uh, Bitcoin talk forum posts that he intended Bitcoin to be an implementation of BitGold. Um, so uh, that there's that. Uh, he, he never cited BitGold at, in the white paper as a source, but he did say it was an implementation of Nick's idea in his forum posts. Uh, so even if, even if he's not uh, Nick Zabo, it's still Bitgold. Bitcoin is Bitgold, just like with slight improvements. So, so, so th- th- I remember you said, okay, so that's why it's probably. That's Nick. why he's probably involved. And then who, okay, now why is the how? And why, where does Hal come in? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, Hal, of course, is cited in the white paper. So like Bitcoin's definitely an implementations of, uh, of Hal Finney's um, reusable proof of work concept, which gets cited in there. Um, I think Nick uh, if, if Nick needed help, um, implementing this stuff, how would be a great person to go to because he'd already invented a digital currency that was based on proof of work, uh, which is reuse re our, our pow reusable proof of work. Uh, so there, there's that, the, there's the, um, to me, it's, it is significant that Hal was the first person to get on board with Bitcoin. Like he was like one of the first people to reply to the post and say, this is a great idea. Let's, you know, let's, let's work on this together. He, he actually uh, started working on Bitcoin immediately, not just by running it, but also by contributing code to it under his own name. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the first person to receive Bitcoin. And also there is, uh, I think that he was the one I, spe- I suspect, if, if this theory is true, who yeah. proposed the name Satoshi Nakamoto because he had a neighbor, uh, a guy in his neighborhood, like a few, uh, two blocks down and to the left of him, was named Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, and this guy was also a programmer who worked in cryptography. Uh, he was specifically a cryptographer who worked oh, for a bank. Uh, and I suspect that, that he named him that in order, in order to be covered. Like if, if anyone ever tries to figure out who Satoshi is, it'll be a rabbit trail that will lead to this other, other guy. Um, wow, so, dude, that's like next level thinking there. Yeah, if, it, if it's true. Yeah. Again, I don't think there's there's all these. But you said there was another thing too. I remember on the drive back, you had mentioned that it was because of um, the code and then the, the the type of communication in that code, as far as like. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Um, that was that was to me. I was like, oh really? Yeah, the programming language, the Bitcoin, uh, the build, the programming language with which you write Bitcoin transactions is called Bitcoin Script, and it's based on a programming language from the '70s called Fourth which was used for satellite communications. Yeah. Uh, and it, I suspect that he chose to use this language because he was familiar with it. Uh, whoever wrote the, the real Satoshi Nakamoto was familiar with this programming language from the seventies. Now in, when you're, when you're 
going through college and you're learning computer science, your teachers are going to teach you uh, the programming languages that they know, that they're familiar with. And you're going to learn those. Um, and so I think he, he grew up in the, maybe in the, maybe in the eighties, like the, his teachers would have been familiar with this one from the seventies and they would have taught it in the eighties. And that kind of lines up with, uh, with when Hal Finney or uh, Nick Zabo would have been in college. Uh, also, I don't know why he chose that programming language, but it's, it's designed for ground to satellite communications. And so it's designed to, it assumes that there are certain delays between the time you send the instruction and the time you get a response from the other device. And perhaps uh, Mr. Satoshi thought that like there would be a small number of nodes, they'd be spread around the world and they might not have instant communications between each other. I don't know that 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 choice of programming language. Uh, like if if he had been a, a younger guy, if he had been, I don't know, in his in his twenties, right. I think he would have used like JavaScript or uh, built built his programming language programming language based on JavaScript or based on Python or one of the ones that that my generation is familiar with. Right. But he didn't. He used a really old one, which suggests to me that he was in his fifties or or forties or or so. Yeah, you can even look at like which universities were teaching that and at that time and. Mm -hmm. I mean, you really could go down that rabbit hole and really find it if you really wanted to. Right. But and, then is, again, and then you would have to, and then that's if you believe that the mailing list was accurate and then you, yeah. Of course, this correlate is still, the data. All of these are like speculations upon speculations yeah. upon <laughs> yeah. speculations. It's, yeah. it's certainly it's possible cool to talk for someone about. in his twenties to learn satellite uh, programming languages, you know, even old ones. Uh, none, none of this is set in stone, but to me, it seems like it is at least of the various theories, that one's the one that I think is the most likely with the, but I still think it's not that one. I think it's probably something I haven't thought of is more likely than that. Yeah. yeah. It's to me, when you told me that, I was like, man, that's a, I like that one. That's mm -hmm. my favorite one. Sure. Makes sense. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think of this, uh, of this bear market right now? Super. Do you think we're in a bear market? Do you do you yeah. look do you look at it like that in bear market markets and like bull cycle? Do you look at it like that? A long time ago, I decided that my definition of a bear market was anytime we're not at an all time high. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to me, we we only spend very very brief moments in a bull market. <laughs> oh, like like in twenty twenty one from like February to what June something? Uh, no, because like because we started crashing in June, right? I don't remember when we started crashing, but I do know that you, you touch the all time high. You, you, you set a new all time high and it lasts for a few seconds and then you're slightly below it again. And at that point to me, you're in a bear market. <laughs> the moment you go below the all time high, it's bearish. Yeah. Got to be printing new highs every day in order to be in a bear mar a bull market. Uh, this is a silly definition. I, I have a silly definition because I don't actually care about whether we're in a bull or a bear market. And so I just made up something that doesn't really make much sense. Yeah, I know you don't care. Um, have you been? You don't. You don't use Twitter anymore, right? Like at all anymore at this point? No, I, I use. It's probably the the that and Telegram are the social networks. That do I you most follow any of like the? I know you follow a lot of developers and stuff like that, but do you follow any of like the regular Bitcoin Twitter accounts, like the people that make the most noise? I, I guess would say. I don't think I follow develop. Developers who make a lot of noise. No, not developers. I mean, just like regular Bitcoin personalities on Twitter. Like, do you ever see any of the? Yeah, I see all them. the craziness that's going on. And I, I saw the Nick Nick Carter drama that happened recently. Oh so, yeah, yeah. I, I think the people who I do follow uh, interact with that stuff enough that it gets into my feed. 
Really? Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you do? You, what do you think about all that stuff? Did you see what like um, we were? I was talking to Ben about it. He was saying that um, like uh, I don't know. I don't know if he said that Ellen, the Ellen URL, could do the same thing that this new like dynamic thing was doing. I don't know how much you looked into it, but dynamic thing. That's what. That's what this like Ethereum project was. It was like some some kind of like single sign on thing or whatever. Uh, anyway, it. It really threw a it really threw a wrench in in like Bitcoin Twitter the past couple of weeks and now man I it's kind of hard just to get anything out of Bitcoin Twitter at this point I don't know I find it pretty easy to not uh, to get good stuff out of it uh, I I don't do a lot of cultivation in my feed either though I I, I get I get. Bitcoin drama enters into my feed sometimes, but it, I find it easy enough to ignore. I think that the algorithm might uh, watch with how long you stay looking at certain things. Oh, really? And then if you Maybe don't spend why. a lot of time looking at a thing, it doesn't recommend it as much or doesn't put it in your feed as much. And so maybe maybe I get a, a really good Twitter feed without cultivating it because the algorithm just sees that I pay attention more to the the dev stuff. more to the dev stuff, and yeah. and so. It doesn't show me all, even when they comment on drama or, you know, Nick Carter stuff, it just sees that I don't listen. I don't pay attention to it and it wants my attention. So like, I think this past weekend I actually like opened up Twitter and -hmm. then like just bombarded with all this like political stuff and all sorts of craziness. I was just like, I just jumped right off. It was just, it's just unbearable, dude. Um, Um, Oh man, it's just, um, I'm hanging out at Sacker News more these days. That seems good. I was really excited recently um, because there's there's someone, I think it's Kevin Rook, who posts, every time he uh, posts something on Stacker News, he also posts a link to it on Reddit. Oh, really? Yeah, I, well, I think. I'm, I, I think it's him, and, and it might, it's probably not every time, but often he posts things, he cross posts things from Stacker News to Reddit, to the Bitcoin subreddit. And recently I saw uh, a post that had the, like the same title on both posted by him on Stacker News and on Reddit. And the one on Stacker News had 14 comments and the one on Reddit had one comment. And so that suggested to me that uh, maybe at some point, this Bitcoin subreddit is not going to be the place where people hang out and talk about Bitcoin stuff anymore. Maybe it's going to move over to Stacker News, which I would prefer because it's made by a friend of mine. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think think Twitter has a possibility of going down that route too, where it just becomes too much noise and... Or you think it's still no Twitter's different um, because on on something like Stacker News or Reddit, you're it's it's designed for like for not I was about to say essays, but that's not quite right. It's more like I don't know really thought out conversations, wordy, wordy stuff. Yeah, yeah. And Twitter's not for that. It's for uh, funny memes and hot takes and stuff. Oh, you think so? Yeah, mostly. So I don't I don't think uh, you get a lot of. Uh, considered discussion on Twitter. And I think people will go to Stacker News or Reddit or other similar things for that. And for um, for, for funny and humorous things, I think they'll go to Twitter. So, Do you think Noster will help? Do you think it'll hurt? Do you think it... Do you think some of these new clients are coming out like Domus? I've been playing with Domus. It, it looks really clean, man. I'm liking it too. That's pretty, that's the first time I've seen it because I have an Android device and he hasn't released an Android version of it yet. Um, but Car let me play with his um, iPhone uh, Domus app and it's pretty cool. 
Yeah, so. That's really cool. I forget your question. You said, do I think Nostra will help? Do you think Nostra will help with um, some of that? Or you think that's just the way this whole Twitter thing is supposed to play out? Like, cause I know they're working on their own kind of, um, I forget what the name of it, but it's, uh, or do you think it's just everything moves over to Nostra? Cause it's like an open protocol, right? So it, it, it allows messaging over this protocol. And as long as you have relays and I'm not sure. Uh, I think that, um, alternatives to Twitter will grow popular among people who notice Twitter's problems, um, oh. its censorship problems. And I don't think there's a, um, the number of people who notice those problems on Twitter is not negligible, but it's relatively small, I think. Uh, so because of, because I think most people who use Twitter don't notice the censorship on it, or if they do notice it, it's not enough to drive them away from it. I think that most people will stay on Twitter for the foreseeable, for the for part of the future that I can foresee and not move to Noster um, or similar um, less censorship uh, heavy platforms. But um yeah, they're, they're, I think the, they will gain a sizable, uh, I, I think they will gain, but Noster and similar protocols will gain people who do notice those problems and who do get driven away from it. And uh, that might be, I don't know, 5% of, of the people who use Twitter might, might migrate to these other alternatives yeah. um, in the foreseeable future. Uh, and then after you get past a certain point, I don't think I can really realistically foresee anything anymore. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Maybe there, uh, maybe there is no hope for Twitter. Maybe it's just, it is what it is, and unless they, maybe, <laughs> so unless, I, I don't think I said there's no hope for Twitter. It sounded like you said that in so many words because like it sounds like the only thing that can really kill it is censorship, right? They start censoring things, and they haven't been, um, or at least that not that I've seen as of late. But um, especially with all the political stuff that's on there these days, um, I don't know what could kill Twitter. I haven't given a lot of thought to it. Um, I, they, they certainly do a lot of censoring, but one of the things that I don't think um, many Bitcoiners realize is I, is I think people people subconsciously enjoy censorship. Really? Um, I do. Why do you think that for? Uh, because I think, um, let me put it in a different way and see if, you, see if this makes sense to you. People don't like spam filling up their feeds, right? I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, I think people, the majority of people don't like, um, don't like very, very loud and obnoxious members of their social circle to fill up their Twitter feed with um, things they're not interested in. Uh, the, the, the example that keeps coming back to my mind is like, uh, if uh, I've got, I've got a grandpa, uh, not a grandpa, I've got a, uh, let's say I have a cousin or an uncle who's very racist and very loud about that on Twitter. I'm not going to spend a lot of time engaging with his racist posts, even though he posts them every day. And the Twitter algorithm is going to learn that and it's not going to show them to me. Even if I don't click block or anything, it's just going to see that I scroll right past them and it's going to like, not put them into my feed because it wants to put things into my feed that I spend time on and pay attention to and interact with. Uh, so that is a form of censorship though. When, when you don't show someone's posts to whoever they send it to, um, that's censorship. And I think people like it. 
uh, I think people like not seeing the things that they don't want to see. <laughs> I, I, I have this really dumb idea. Um, I'm going to run it past you and hopefully you can just shoot it down and then I can stop thinking about it. Um, I think Twitter could be solved mm -hmm. with colors. Okay. And so like, if you look at a tweet, there's, there's always like these, um, there's always these emotions behind a tweet. Sometimes there's no emotion at all. You can usually express this with a GIF or like a picture or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's just words. I think if there was like a, like a, like a color wheel for different types of emotions that people could attach to their tweet. Uh, I think it would, I think it would help where like you could literally have, I'm going to use Thomas as an example, but you could literally have like this, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say this tweet right here was a really aggressive tweet. I can, I can color Make it, it red, red yeah. as, as a background color. And then underneath that's a really light tweet. Maybe that's like a, a light, subtle pastel pink or something. Dude, that's a great idea. But let me tell you, let me, this is where I've been thinking it through is like, okay, let's say we have a feed, just one feed and they're just different colors, right? Mm -hmm. There there's, you see a lot of red today. You see a lot of light pink or whatever, whatever the, the, the gamut is of, of the color wheel um, uh, for that day. And then maybe at the very top, you can select the different colors that you want. So maybe you're just in a mood to like get some good news. Maybe you just select like a light pastel pink and it's just like nothing but great news. Maybe then right above it, it's like, maybe you see like you want green, which is like I don't know fresh what it, content, fresh content. And then you just hit the green color wheel and it's just all green stuff that comes in from your feed. I think this can be gamed obviously because sure, yeah. people can say like, Oh, this is green. This is, and it breaks Isn't. the whole system. But I think if you introduce something like lightning or some of these other open protocols and then maybe possibly that could, you could figure out a uh, way to align this incentives. Yeah. Maybe. You know what? I like it. And let's make a, let's make a client for Noster <laughs> that has the, where you can set the color temperature of your post. And uh, I think, I, I, think it, I think it could be solved that way. Cause I don't think it can be algorithmically solved. Obviously they've, they've had been trying to do this for mm -hmm. what, like 30 years, 20 years at this point, boys, it's not working girls. It's not working over there. I mean, it kind of is, but I think, yeah. it, I think it's up to the user to make that choice. It, it's if you introduce choice mm -hmm. on your platform, good things can happen too much choice. Right. But like, I think if you just introduce choice, give them options, people like options. And I don't know, man, I think, uh, people, an say, idea. people say they like options. Um, but I look at, I, I, I know very many people who, uh, are happy to say they like options when you look at what they do and they're just like mindlessly, uh, they, they, I, I'm gesturing here in a way that of course the camera can't see, but I, I'm, I'm imagining myself or I'm flicking through an imaginary cell phone and looking at it with eyes glazed over and occasionally, you know, smiling and laughing at something. And there's no thought at all involved in what I'm doing. Right? I, there's a lot of people who are like that. Then you're like, do you want choice? And like, yeah, choice is a good thing, but they don't really want choice. They just want to be mind, mind numb and be entertained. Right. Um, I think this, I think, I think where we're at now in, in society, just in general, we don't have to get too into it, but like, I think people just want options these days. I think maybe there was a time where we didn't need options, but mm -hmm. I, I think, especially when it comes to this social stuff, I know. I like giving people options. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. I also really like that a platform like, like Noster is something where if I have a new idea for a feature for it, 
it doesn't take much to make to make that feature a reality because you know open protocol. Um, I can make my own, and, and I have made my own Nostra client, and I can add new. Yeah, ones what is it? I, I didn't even. You told me that today. What what is it? What is the? Um... It's called Vanilla JavaScript Nostra. It's on my GitHub, and it's a. It was. Um, it's about the simplest possible Nostra client. It, it's got. Uh, it's got a place for you to to follow someone, and it'll show you all their posts. And then you can make your own posts and it's just black text on a white page. There's no graphics. There's nothing, no attempt to make it look pretty. Um, how long do you think it took Fiat Joff to create Nostra? Do you know like how long it took him? Is that something that's, well, I, I know you made protocols. It's still before, sort of under construction. Um, yeah. To yeah. Some degree. It's work in progress, but like to get it to where it's at now, like where you can start creating clients for it. Like how long does something like that take super? Does that take years? Does that take like months or? I don't think it took him years. I think it took him months, but I say that. And yet a lot of the, there were a lot of precursors to Noster that Fiat Jeff had made. Uh, like what? Well, I, and the, before I answer that, let me modify my previous statement that he made and some of his friends had made. Um, so one of the precursors to Noster was an idea or a, a plugin that um, Ben Ark was that Ben Ark made for LNBits. LNBits is a, a wallet management tool for for the Lightning Network, and it has it has these this plugins page where you can install a bunch of different things for it. And one of the things that Ben Ark had made, or Ben Ark made for for LNBits, was a plugin called Di Diagon Alley. Um, which was, it is a, a marketplace. It's, it's kind of like a Craigslist for, for Ellen bits oh, where you cool. can list products and stuff. And when Ben made this, he needed a way to um, advertise or that, that someone could go onto your Ellen bits instance, create a post that says like, I, I have a bicycle for sale for this amount. And he wanted it so it wouldn't only show up to users of that Noster in, or of that LN Bits instance. He wanted it to also show up for users of other LN Bits instances. And Ben made this uh, very simple protocol that passed text from one LN Bits instance to another. And I think it was that that Fiat Jaff saw and said, "This should be its own protocol. Just just the part where you send a message to to an LN to an LN Bits um, operator." And then he passes that message along to other ones is a cool idea. So he like took that out, split it out and made Noster wow. based on that idea. That's cool. So he like um, kind of remixed it in a way. He did. And another precursor was something that Fiat Jeff made himself made, which was called uh, Atlenium. Uh, and Atlenium, or at least I think this is a precursor. I don't know if Fiat Jeff thinks it is, but Atlenium is a, um, a WebSocket based um, tool for writing um, contracts that, um, uh, where you, where you can put some Bitcoins into a, into a, a contract on the Atlantean website, and then someone has to fulfill the terms of that contract in order to unlock those Bitcoins and take them. Uh, in other words, they have to run some code for you. Uh, but when Fiat Jeff made this thing called Atlantean, um, he charges people money in order to upload their contract upload the contract and upload the Bitcoins that someone has to, that, that are locked by that contract. Uh, and I always, at least when he came out with, with, um, with Noster, I associated it immediately to that because in both of them, you have to upload some text to this, um, 
uh, to one person and then someone else has to, and someone can download it over WebSocket from them. Uh, and uh, Noster was like, to me, it was a combination of those two ideas that gave birth to like, we're going to do this thing that Ellen Bits or that the Diagon Alley extension and Ellen Bits was doing where it passes messages around from one person to another, but it was going to use WebSockets like, um, uh, like, like Atlenium did uh, for that message passing. And then Noster was born from that. That's cool. So how long did it take? Well, how long did it take him to make Atlenium? Probably like um, almost a year to make that. How long did it take Ben Ark to make the thing he made for, uh, to make Diagon Alley? Probably a couple of months. And then once, but once he had both of those things in place, I don't think it took Fiat Jeff very long. It might've taken him one month, maybe two, to reformulate those things into Noster. Uh, and then, but it wasn't finished immediately. Like he, he made a, he, he made it and then we've updated it since then. Like me and the other Noster developers have talked about features we'd like to see added to it. And we've talked about problems with it and then it's, it keeps getting better. Do you, do you, do they have a Noster call, like a weekly call or a monthly call or anything? Or is it just the it's telegram? More, it's more like monthly. It's a monthly. Oh, okay. I, th- I don't think it's exactly monthly either, but it's, yeah, there is there. I think there have been two of them so far. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, but he we he started them. Uh, the the first one was during Bitcoin Miami, I think, and then the second one was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so yeah, there are there are Nostra Dev calls. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's kind of interesting when you're saying all these like iterations. I, I don't know if they're iterations more. It's like a foundation of different things that he had done that all led to that. Mm-hmm. It's very much like an artist how they think about building something that then leads their inspiration to somewhere else that they see somebody else do. And they're like, Oh, I want to do something like that, but like different in, yep. in my own way. And it's, it's very interesting how, how I'm starting to see more and more. The longer I stay in the space, the more I'm seeing more and more devs pull from other devs as far as like uh, that kind of like a uh, club. It's just like a, I don't know if it's a club, but it's like a, it's almost like you're in a, uh, like a studio yeah, and you're just pulling all these different ideas and then you come around and look at it and you're like, Oh, there's that. That's cool. Oh, that's a great idea. And like, mm-hmm. you just pull from these different places. It's a really cool, it's a really cool thing to see. I've only just discovered that here recently. How that, how that uh, probably since Bitcoin plus plus how all that, that like yeah. how I see how you guys do that. It's very similar to when I was like in art school where we would all be in a, we would all be in like a classroom, mm-hmm. like, looking at everybody's art during our breaks and like I'd given advice and like listening to them, they come over and look at our thing and like, Oh, you should probably do this. This is easier. You'll get much better uh, shading on this. Yep. Yeah. I've seen people cool. use it. Um, I've, I've used, I've used some stuff from Noster in the development of things that I'm making. I'm using it for, uh, I used it when I made my Bitcoin lottery game. Uh, I have users coordinate over Noster. I'm trying to make uh, a Bitcoin Uber, and I'm pro- I, I plan to use Noster for coordination of riders and drivers over that. Uh, I Bitcoin, saw, so wait, wait, so I think you said that too fast. So Bitcoin Uber. Yeah. <laughs> super Uber. Is it, would it be uh super, we, uh, the name, you know, super, orange death pill, orange death ride. <laughs> It's a callback. Suicide Lane. Suicide Lane. <laughs> That's kind of a cool name for suicide lane. Oh man, that sounds 
Spicy. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Orange Death. Oh, you know what you call it? Did you ever see that movie Death Proof? No. Call it Orange Proof. That'd Orange be cool. Proof? That'd be cool. It's about the, the, the guy gets a ride and like coming up with names is one of the funnest parts. It's, it is literally the funnest part. <laughs> it's my favorite part. It's my favorite part. Yo, you come up with pretty good names. Dude, I called the lightning vouchers thing from last month lightning e vouchers. I mean, yeah, that was, you, you had orange death pill. You should have just kept it. There. I should have kept or, orange death pill. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> that was cool. No, but so how do you plan on doing a Uber decentralized? Well, I don't Super know if it will be decentralized yet, but uh, the idea, uh, my idea is that um, a user would open up, open up their phone. Uh, their phone would broadcast a message to Noster uh, with their location and it would be like, I'm a rider and I'm, I'm interested in using, uh, in finding a driver near me. I'd basically be with their messages and here are my coordinates. Uh, and then they would pick a destination. Let's say they wanted to go to, I don't know, the YMCA. So they'd drag a pin on a little map, which I already, I, that's the part I was working on today. Uh, and the, um, the, the, that would create a new Nostra message that says like this user with this pub key wants to go to this destination. Right. And then you'd post how much you're willing to pay for that. So I'll give $15 to it. So now you have all this information out on Nostra there's a rider who is currently in these coordinates. He wants to go to these coordinates. Here's the distance between them. And here's the amount that he's willing to pay for that. So then you have drivers who are driving around and they've each got their cell phones and their cell phone can ring and be like, there's someone two miles from you who wants to go from here to here for this amount. Do you accept their you know, thing? Um, so that, I'm not sure what happens after that. I suspect, because I'm yeah. not sure when the payment should happen. That's what we were talking about today. Like, wouldn't yeah. it be like, could you could use Lightning Escrow, right? So you it, could. Would, it yeah. would hold it. I could have the payer pay Lightning Escrow. It uh, wouldn't take or, more than two weeks. It wouldn't, pay, they wouldn't actually pay Lightning Escrow, but they'd pay, the, um, they'd, be, they'd pay the driver, but the driver wouldn't be able to settle the payment because Lightning Escrow would have the uh, pre-image. And then once you get to the destination, or once one of their... That's the, that's the part that I'm not sure of. Either if they both say, all right, I made it to my destination and the driver's like, yeah, I dropped him off and we release the funds. Or if there's a dispute, then we check into what happened. Oh, yeah, you're right. Because there's that part, right? So maybe yeah, you would have you to. Yeah, because you can spoof your location on these apps. You can't really trust what either one says unless they both agree. How do you fix that? But isn't that a problem with know. all these decentralized apps? <laughs> yeah. so yeah, like, I don't know. But don't isn't know. that a problem with all these decentralized apps though? Like. Isn't that the major problem with all these things? Uh, is dispute resolution? It feels it's like a, it's it. a big problem. It's a it is a big difficulty with trying to make a decentralized app. Uh, but I don't know if so. Yeah, the so one then you have to build a reputation system. Then is that how that's fixed? in my mind? A reputation system is an alternative to a um, uh, to escrow. If you if you have if you trust reputation is a way of saying is this person worth trusting. And if you decide that because he has a five-star rating, you trust him, then you don't need an escrow because escrow is for two parties who don't trust each other. Um, so if I do build it with a reputation system, then you don't really need escrow anymore because you're establishing a way for the users to trust each other. Right. It's like you can see how many rides he's done. You can see his rating. But the problem there, if you're using Noster, is that it's really easy to spoof that. <laughs> it's really easy to set up 15 different accounts that all give you a five-star rating because accounts are free on Noster. 
Right. So I don't know. I haven't thought too, too far into that yet. I think I was just going to make something that actually does allow you to pay someone to give you a ride and then um, try and figure out how to solve the scam part later where, where someone doesn't give you a ride, but does take your money. I feel like we do need a decentralized version of Uber for sure. That'd be great. But I haven't, I haven't figured out probably the hard part of that, which is what, how to use it, prevent disputes. Yeah. Or maybe whoever's listening to this can reach out to you. Um, well, the guys from Arcade City have an idea for this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know a lot about their... Well, they already have a reputation system then technically, right? I don't know what they do. I think my, my current impression is that they have, a, they have a Facebook group where people coordinate rides. And on Facebook, that, that might be part of the, the how they deal with reputation because on Facebook that you have to... Um, I don't think it's easy to create, to spin up new accounts and give yourself five-star ratings all the time. Um, or maybe it is, but maybe the people who are using Arcade City in this Facebook group know each other's usernames after a long enough time. And they're like, oh, Michael J is always reliable because, because I've used him before or something. I don't know. But like, the, the, I think right now it's, based on, it's all based on messages in a Facebook group and they uh, trust each other. The drivers all just hang out in there and then they coordinate pe people who want to ride, go in there. It's too bad they're using Facebook. Right? Yeah. And I'm not sure how much of this is accurate. I have, um, I've talked to Chris a couple of times about it and he's coming into Pleb Lab soon. Okay. Um, so I'm looking forward to learning more, but I don't, I think I'm, some of the things I'm saying about how Arcade City works are, are wrong because I haven't actually used yeah. it. And I'm only going off a couple conversations and Twitter messages. Yeah. We, we can save that for later. But um, interesting that, um, yeah, it's interesting how that, how, how you're thinking through that. I remember we were mm -hmm. talking about it a few days ago and you were like, yeah, it would be easy to make this. This is how I would do it. And then today you were showing me, I was like, oh, you actually were going to do that? I thought you were just like saying it offhandedly. Because sometimes you'll say things and you'll be like, yeah, two weeks. I can do that through two weeks. I'm like, but really? And then, then today, lo and behold, you were like, yeah, look at it. It's I working. I got the map done. Yeah, yeah, you got the map done. I was like, whoa. So this is, yeah, it's like you said, it's not. Yeah, but I, I hadn't thought ahead to yeah, where the we're scammy at, yeah. part. Like there's there's going to be scammers probably, and I don't know how to deal with that yet. So. Dude, scammers ruin everything, dude. Sure. Well, if you get money for nothing, it's very tempting. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it probably will take longer than two weeks because I have to think of a solution to that. Yeah. But, yeah, that's cool. And there might not be a solution. That might be why these things haven't taken off yet. Or why yeah. no one's built, built a, a Bitcoin-based Uber. And maybe no one's thought of a way to actually verify that both riders got, like the, the driver really took the rider to this destination and neither one's lying. Yeah, and then also you're not uh, like even like laundering, right? Or could that be? Oh, I'm happy to launder. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine with me. Uh, um, launder all that stuff right through there. Uh, I think I'm sure he's kidding. Um, yeah, yeah. Interesting. What else have you been working on? Is that the main thing that you've been working on? No, I just started that today because I got bored of the <laughs> vouchers project. Oh, yeah, the vouchers thing? Yeah, I, I, last, like three weeks ago, I made this uh, lightning voucher system where you can... Oh, Orange Death Pill. Orange Death Pill, yeah, which is a much better name for it. Oh, uh, so tell people about it. Yeah, so the, one of the one of the difficulties with the Lightning Network is onboarding people. Um, when you try to onboard someone, you're like, okay, download download this wallet. Um, 
Now I'm going to send you some Bitcoin, uh, create an invoice for me. And then, oh, you don't have any channels. Let's get you a channel. Because a lot of things that can go wrong when you're trying to onboard somebody to the Lightning Network. And I thought that a voucher system might make this easier where you um, create uh, a creative voucher for, let's say, $10 in Bitcoin okay. um, deliverable over the Lightning Network. And a voucher is just a piece of text. So you give them that piece of text and you have some wallet that can recognize a voucher and then it just shows their balance increased by $10 because they can redeem that whenever they want and get the, get the money out of the voucher. So I thought of this idea and then I implemented a proof of concept for it uh, last like three weeks ago. Then my dad died. And so I went on vacation oh, yeah. for two weeks mm. and I did a little bit of work on it. Um, I made it, I made it so that there's like um, um, an optional pub key system where where you can specify that the recipient has to prove that they know the private key to a certain public key. And that makes it more like a traditional, well, it makes, makes it more work more like how Bitcoin does where you have to send to somebody's public key. Uh, so I made, I made that. And then um, I got bored of it and decided to make the Uber thing. <laughs> so uh, the, the voucher project just just waiting for me to get interested in it again. Yeah. I do that too. Mm-hmm. I like to jump around in different things, but lately I've been trying to really focus on getting the first thing done and then getting onto it. Like, it's kind of like trying to get more discipline about that. Uh, it's really hard though. Cause my mind is frantic with new stuff, new ideas all the time. I try to write it down as much as I can. Do you have that problem too? You, you have to like so many ideas that you write them down or do you just keep it all in your head? No, I write them down. You do. Okay. When I, whenever I start a project, I make a Google doc where I list out what I, what I'm working on, what my next steps are, what where my current status is. Oh, you do? You go that far as far as like, yeah. And often I spec it out. Like I write, here's, here's all the steps I need to take in order to get a working product. And then I'll start working based on that and I'll start crossing things off. Uh, and I find that that helps a lot because I often, uh, set, set a project down and work on another one because I get bored and then with it. Go back and find out where you left yeah. off. And then I'll go That's back and idea. find out where I left off and I'll read my own messages to my future self. I'm like, here's where I'm at. Here's the next things I need to do. Uh, and I usually try based on Dusty Damon also does this and he gave me a cool idea that I didn't used to yeah, do. What is it? I always try to leave myself an easy thing to start with next. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. And then like, that, don't leave the full on task of don't leave the really hard thing. Just give, give yourself some really easy. Do, next do step. The, yeah. You're like, okay, that's a good idea. That gets you into it. That, yeah. that will ease you back into it. Yeah. It's yeah, dude, you know, what's, I have this problem. I've been talking about it the last couple months or not a couple months, maybe about a month now. Um, I had this problem where, where I, I will, uh, the, these images will come in my head mm -hmm. and I try to write them down like on my phone and the, there'll be notes. And then I just won't remember the word won't spring to mind the, the image. Mm -hmm. But if I type like a song or if I type like a color, it'll come back. I'm thinking about these. I'm thinking, I'm honestly thinking I've been thinking about it for the past two weeks, but I've just been thinking about it. This is the first time I'll be saying it. I'll probably be doing it, but thinking about just carrying like a sketch pad Mm -hmm. So I can draw what's in my head and then it'll, that'll be everything Trigger, as yeah. opposed to me writing down the words. It's very hard for me to write things down in my head. That's all imagery. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Do you do that too with code in your head? Do you have that problem where like maybe codes in your head and then you like have to write it down or it doesn't, is it different? It's different. 
Um, because what goes into my head is the English language version of what I want to make. And then I convert from English into programming, into code, what I want to do. So that the English, when you try and, when you try and write out a specification in English language, it gets very, very detailed. You have to be very detailed. You have to like, you have to say almost what sounds like programming. If the user does this, then this should happen. And if they don't do that, then this should happen. And you, you write out this branching logic in English of, of all the steps the program should take. Then you have to convert that into whatever programming language you're using. So that my specifications and my, the stuff in my head is in English. And then the implementation is in, is in code. Oh, so you have, you write out the spec in your head. You have it like laid out more or less. Yeah. Usually I do it in my head first. Then I do it on, then I put, I write that down. That's then I modify it a couple of times and then I start coding. And while I'm coding, I also modify my spec because I, I realize simpler ways to do things. And that's how you're able to, like, sometimes you'll be like, oh, I'm going to go for a walk. And it, you'll be like, mm -hmm. oh, I figured it out, car. Yep. It's, it was this. That's how you're able to figure it out when you're going for a walk is because you're looking at the spec in your head. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about it and my, my subconscious is also working on this stuff. My subconscious happens to be smarter than my conscious mind. Really? Why do you say that? Because it figures stuff out. That's, I trust it. And <laughs> I go, oh, I go on walks. In, you and lean and into it. I, yeah. I go on walks and I don't consciously think about the thing I'm working on, but my subconscious is, and then it'll inform me the solution when I am done with my walk or so usually, usually near the beginning of my walk, it actually figures it out for me and it tells me what my subconscious tells my conscious mind the solution. You know what I've been doing? It's kind of similar, but kind of different. Like I'll, I'll go, like I'll have an idea in my head that I know what's going to do. And then mm -hmm. like during the whole day or during that week, I'll see different things and I'll pick that up mm -hmm. and I'll note it in my mind. Like, Oh, that's, it was that color of orange of that chair and notate it. Mm -hmm. And then I keep going throughout the day and I'll be like, Oh, that word was displayed here. No. And I'll eventually the whole week will come and I'll have like this full on Oh, the idea, the imagery in my head, but it has all this stuff that I've attached from that week added to it. Yeah. I like brains. Brains are sweet. Yeah. It's just like attacking the, the problem, whichever, which Abstractly. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I like it. That's a, it works for me. <laughs> yeah, it does. Did you ever get to talk to any of the people? Like, uh, I know I saw you talking to Fabrice, like any of the people from Bitcoin plus plus, did you talk to, did you get to meet um, Adam back or? I did meet Adam back. What? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You didn't tell me this. Oh, okay. Well, uh, yeah, I, he, he was certainly there. And um, what did you tell him? I told him about my Bitcoin lottery protocol. Um, because what did he say? Was he, he said, happy about it? Yeah, he was. Oh, wow. Cool. I told him because he had, it was based on an idea he had a long time ago, uh, which was back in 2013, he wrote a paper with another guy whose name I forget. Um, uh, and I'm going to call him Sam because he's going to come up later in the story. But, uh, but it's, his real name's not Sam. I just forget what it is. Adam Back wrote a paper with a guy named Sam about doing um, a fair coin toss on Bitcoin. Uh, and as he, he, it was based on this idea from 1980s where a guy had, wrote a paper about how to do a coin toss over the telephone uh, using hashing functions where like the one guy on the phone uh, picks heads or tails and then gives you the hash of his pick. And then you have to guess heads or tails. And once you guess, then he reveals the uh, reveals what he hashed, what, what his commitment was. Uh, and if you guess correctly, then you win. Or if you didn't guess correctly, then he wins. Anyway, 
Adam Bag came up with a way to implement this in Bitcoin along, along with Sam. And then they wrote a paper about it. And my lottery protocol was a way of expanding that out to uh, any number of players. Uh, well, actually, any number less than eight, um, which isn't that many. But it, it expanded it to, multi, to be a multiplayer lottery instead of a two-player coin toss. So I told Adam back about this and then showed him my implementation. I didn't show him. I told him I implemented it. Because uh, as far as I know, no one had ever implemented the coin toss thing that, um, that Adam Beck had proposed. And so he was happy and he was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. No, because he didn't know if anyone had ever implemented it either. And he said, you should tell Sam. It was mostly Sam's idea. And I just proposed a couple of minor things. Oh, really? Yeah. So he said, you need to email Sam because Sam would be really excited about this. Um, but he was, he, he seemed excited too. He liked it. That's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. I saw you talking to Fabrice too. It was so, it was so awesome. Mm -hmm. It was like, he had questions for you. Fabrice. So for those who don't know, Adam Back is, um, uh, he's one of the best Bitcoin programmers ever. He was, he was actually programming digital currencies before Bitcoin existed. He worked on Xiaomi and eCash back in like the late eighties and early nineties um, with David Chalm. And then he, uh, now he works on Bitcoin. Uh, he was one, he was also on the Bitcoin or on the cryptography mailing list that uh, Satoshi proposed Bitcoin on. Oh, he was on there too. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, of course. Right. Of that course. It was, yeah. it was everyone in the David Chalm group was in there. Yeah. He was trying to do this stuff before anyone else. Um, and the, uh, Adam Back was one of his employees back then. Anyway, Adam Back now works on Liquid. It, Liquid is like his company, and he makes uh, Bitcoin sidechains. Uh, anyway, he is really cool. And the other guy who, I forget why, there was another, oh, Fabrice Druin. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this, I'm probably not pronouncing his last name correctly because that doesn't sound very French. He's a French Bitcoin developer who made uh, uh, the company called Async um, A-C-I-N-Q, and their implementation of a lightning node called uh, Eclair. So, yeah, that's Fabrice Druin, and I talked to him, too. And he uh, he attended my talk on Tenacity. That was such a great talk. That was fun. Was so good. Uh, and then he uh, suggested yeah. some, um, some, he wanted me to use some of their code uh, oh, cool. to solve some of the problems I mentioned in the, my Tenacity talk. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Did, uh, did, did you have a, a person that you met at Bitcoin plus plus where you're kind of like surprised you got to meet him uh, and you're like, Oh wow. Or were somebody like you met and you're like, well, actually way cooler in person than I would have ever imagined. Merch was like that for One, me when I met merch, mm -hmm. he was like that for me. I was like, Whoa, see this guy on Twitter. I didn't, I didn't think it, I know of anything other than what his Twitter. Th and then like, I meet him personally. Like, he's like even better, amazing person. In person. Like, the yeah. one that I had the most fun with and didn't, that I didn't expect to have fun doing this was the ordinals guy. The who? The ordinals guy. Who's that? I don't know his real name. <laughs> the ordinals? What is ordinals? He told me it's fine if I call him, if I call him the ordinals guy. <laughs> uh, but I forget what his real name is. He, if you go to like ordinals.com or ordinals.net <laughs> or .org or .io, he made this uh, protocol for um, assigning um, serial numbers to Satoshi's and zero numbers to Satoshi's. Yeah. So okay. like every, every Satoshi that's ever been created, he defined a protocol for giving it a unique serial number. Why? Cause he thought it'd be fun. 
and so he did. And then you can, if you have a Bitcoin wallet, you can see, you can, if you, if you're, if you download this protocol, you can actually see what index numbers or what um, serial numbers your Satoshis have that are in your wallet. And you can be like, oh, mine, I've got Satoshi number 5,256,953. And it's oh, kind so of fun. Could, oh, interesting. Yeah. So he was the he was the most interesting guy that you met at uh Bitcoin. Well, I didn't I didn't expect to be to have a lot of fun meeting the ordinals guy. <laughs> and I did. Because <laughs> one of the things he did was he printed he made um some paper wallets that had taproot private keys on them. Okay. And he put some Satoshis in them and he wrote on the paper the serial numbers the, the serial numbers for those Satoshis based on this protocol he did. And then one of his challenges was can you get the Satoshis off of this paper wallet? Which oh. is hard to do because m most wallets don't support Taproot yet. Uh, so you can't just like import the private key because your wallet won't know what to do with it since it's Taproot and not a normal. How much Bitcoin Satoshis was he, was he, did he have on there? Like each, each, each paper wallet had 10,000 sats in it. Whoa. Yeah. Nice little project. Yeah. So I, I was the only one, I think, who did it. And you I, did it? Yeah. Of course you did. I, I figured out with help from some of the other people there, I figured out how to do it, how to get the, how to get the private key, uh, turn it into, um, uh, something I could import into Bitcoin core, which is one wallet that does have support for tap. Did you grab all the, the, <laughs> the papers yeah. after that? No, well, you just, I just sweep them all up. You're I, like, here, pull car. I need your cap. And you just started putting all the papers no, in there. You can do it I helped two other people get their sets. Oh, that was nice of you. Where I went through the same procedure, uh, and converted the taproot private key into a, what was it called? Um, a, descriptor a wallet descriptor i think they call it which is ah. how bitcoin core deals with taproot and then i had to um construct a transaction manually to send the coins from there into a normal bitcoin wallet one of my existing ones that doesn't support taproot so i did all that and then i showed two other people that i did it and they asked me to get theirs off of their wallets so then i sent them to their wallet that's their cool bitcoin wallets yeah yeah it was fun yeah but i had i had a tremendous amount of fun doing that and talking to the ordinals guy about his protocol. <laughs> the ordinals guy. Yeah, who's I don't remember. <laughs> Whose name you don't remember? Yeah, you're so bad with names. I am. Much better with protocols. What's my name again? Your car. Okay, there you go. That's, you do. <laughs> you're just car. <laughs> okay. Just making sure you know my name. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, good times, man. Bitcoin Plus Plus was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. What a great time. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, I think I think that's all I got. You got um Oh, I will tell you this. Not having you at Plub Lab for those two weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dude. You could you could feel it. Like it, it was uh I mean there's a lot of other stuff going on, but you really bring the the lab into the Plub Lab. <laughs> no, it's just like there's a we were all working and Keon was there and John, like we were all there. It's just like, but it didn't have that same, um, life. Oh, no, it's that, uh, it's just I appreciate like, it's, that. Uh, we started getting it's, used uh, to it in the second week towards the something end. you're special, man. But That's was, all I'm saying. You're very special. You bring like, something you know unique like. into that lab. And I can't wait till we move into the new pleb lab because, uh, Oh yeah. I, I think you're going to, I think you're going to, it's going to be, it's going to be like completely amazing to see how that vibrancy. See a super that can thrive in a new environment. 
No, it's not that. I know you can. It's just like seeing that. What happens that if we uproot him from his natural habitat <laughs> and place him into this other environment? No, it's just. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. I'm just. I'm trying to say, man. I love you, and you're special, and and like I, I know you know that already. But um, thank you, Car. When, when I like when you pe- too. When people are gone, you can really feel feel it. Yeah. Lost in the shuffle